Well, welcome to FBC once again. Uh, my name is Joe Andrews, but I don't feel like Joe Andrews' campus pastor today. I feel like David Burroughs' pastor uh, because David Burroughs' pastor came up and did the announcement that I usually do. Now I'm preaching where he usually preaches. Last service, I looked over to see the pastor, and I'm sitting right next to his wife. He's gone, so I really just feel like David Burroughs today. Uh, it's it's good to be with you today. I am so excited that I get to bring the word. We're actually starting a new series. It's called Relentless. If you didn't get that in the bumper, come and talk to a pastor after service today. There's something not working right in your mind, okay? Relentless is the series that we're in. What we're going to be doing is looking at God's relentless love for you and for me. And we're going to be looking at that in the book of Ruth. It's going to be great. Uh, my prayer has been, as I've just been thinking about this message, and looking at it, my prayer has been that not that you just see what I'm talking about and you, you could agree with it, but that you really just adopt what I'm talking about and that it will actually help you in your life in the future. That's what my prayer has been, that you understand this and that you embrace it and that it changes everything when your life really just turns upside down. We're actually uh, looking at a passage today in Ruth where everything is turned upside down. Uh, I just finished watching uh, the third season of Stranger Things. Now, I don't know if you've all seen Stranger Things, but it's really good. It's set in the 80s. Uh, it's kind of has this Goonies kind of stand by me kind of feel to it. Uh, it's a fun show. It's got monsters. It's kind of got everything that you could want in a show. It's Netflix's number one show. Now, Netflix has not paid me anything to say this, uh, but they did tweet out just four days after the release of the third season that 40.7 million homes had already streamed season three of Stranger Things. That's huge. Better, better and bigger than any other movie or any other show in Netflix's history. Uh, one thing, if you have watched Stranger Things, that you'll know right off the bat is there's something called the Upside Down, all right? Now, the Upside Down, not to spoil too much, though you've had three years to watch, if you haven't watched, I should just punish you by spoiling it, uh, but if you haven't watched yet, there's something called the Upside Down, and the Upside Down is this alternate dimension. So you have all the characters uh, in the regular world, kind of like where we are, and then this other dimension kind of opens up up and it wreaks havoc on the real world. And uh, it's called, they name it in the show, The Upside Down. And everything in The Upside Down and everything that it brings actually turns all of the characters' lives upside down. They start losing their minds. Nothing is the same. Somebody goes missing in the first episode and nobody knows where they are. Everything is ruined by what has happened in this upside down world kind of opening up. And so the title of my message is actually today, Relentless in the Upside Down. Okay, when life is at its worst, when everything that you know has been flipped upside down, like everything that happened in El Paso that's affecting so many people right now, and I just heard Ohio as well, when everything has been flipped upside down in your world, God is still relentless in his pursuit of you. He still relentlessly loves you. He will still relentlessly work in your life and work in your situations, and he still has a plan. And so that's what we're really going to be looking at today is relentless in the upside down. Here's the one thing, though, that I need you to see if you're going to see anything today. 
at some point in your life, everything will turn upside down. And you've got to remember that God is relentless working behind the scenes. All right, so let me just kind of flesh that out for you a little bit. You're living probably pretty normal lives. Most of us are probably just going along and life is normal. Sometimes though, something so deep, so hurtful, so painful happens in our lives that it changes us forever. Even after we go through it, we're just not the same anymore. That's what happens in the show, actually. After this whole dimension, the upside down opens up, nobody is ever the same again. Life has changed. It's kind of made them a little harder, a little tougher. But nothing is ever the same after we go through some of these life-defining moments. And I hope that as we get through this today, you can begin to reflect on your own lives. What are some of those moments in my life that have happened, that have changed me, that I've finally got through, which is good? And maybe just gives us some hope for the future that when that comes again, we're going to get through it and we're going to be okay because God is relentlessly working behind the scenes, even though we may not see him. We see this in the book of Ruth, and actually that's where we're going to be for the next four weeks as we go through this Relentless series. We're going to take one chapter every Sunday, and we're just going to look at it. But in the book of Ruth, you have these characters, and their whole lives are just turned upside down. Naomi is one of the main characters. Ruth is the other. Orpah is in our story for a little bit, but their lives get flipped upside down. And everything that happens to them happens during the time of the judges. I don't know if you know exactly what that means, so let me explain uh, what that is. It was a period of time for the Israelites where they were just set free from slavery in Egypt. They're living in the promised land, and the Israelites just have this habit of going into where they will follow God for a while, but then they'll fall away from God. They'll seek false gods. And then after they do that, things get really bad. People invade their country and they realize, hey, we should seek the Lord again. Uh, And so they do that. And then the Lord hears them and the Lord sends someone to deliver them. That's what happens through the entire book of Judges. Time and time again, the people leave God. They follow false gods. They're invaded. Life gets bad. They call upon the Lord and he provides a deliverer. Now, the really cool thing about Ruth is it happened in, during this time in Judges, in Bethlehem in Israel. And it happened in that time of the Judges where I just told you the pattern of what happened in Judges. And the cool thing is, is that Ruth follows this exact uh, same pattern. The book of Ruth follows the same pattern where you have someone leaving their people, in essence, kind of leaving their Lord, moving to another place. Things get bad. They begin to seek the Lord again and a redeemer is provided for them. It's absolutely incredible. And so I really can't wait for you guys just to get into this with me. Uh, So we're going to start reading in just a second. But the first thing that I want you to see from this passage is that life was flipped upside down in an instant. So let's look at uh, Ruth 1. This is verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. All right, so there's a famine where he's living, and he says, okay, this isn't good. I can't provide for my family. I'm leaving. But in leaving, he's also deciding to leave his people and leave the promised land that God had given him, and he's going to another place. And it says the place that he went 
is called Moab. Now, Moab was one of Lot's sons, if you know a little uh, about that. But the Moabites had decided to abandon God totally. They had a pantheon of gods. The key, like kind of the king god of the Moabites was a god named Kamash, okay? And Kamash uh, was a horrible a horrible God that accepted human sacrifice, okay? And he's a false God. And not only that, but the Moabites also worshiped so many other gods. And so you can see that already this story is kind of taking a weird turn. So he leaves Judah. He went to sojourn in the country of Moab, and he and his wife and his two sons went with him. The name of the man was Elimelech, all right, now if there's one word that I remember from the Hebrew classes that I took, it's the word melech. It means king. Uh, and I don't know why I only remember that word, but that's literally the only one I know. Uh, so Elimelech means uh, God is king. All right, so this is somebody that has grown up knowing who the Lord is and has served him probably. But when times got rough and God decided to judge his people by, with a famine... Elimelech says, we're out of here. We're going to escape and we're going to go to this other place where they worship other gods with other people. And that's really one of the first tragedies that we see in this passage. The name of his wife was Naomi. Naomi means pleasantness. So you have God is king married to pleasantness. Now, don't you think if God is king and pleasantness get together and have children, they're just going to have like beautiful names like the Lord is my salvation or the eternal God forever, or something like that. Just some amazing name. Well, you would be totally wrong, okay? <laughs> when God is king and pleasantness got together, uh, they named their two sons Malon and Chilion. Now, I know that means nothing to you, and no one here is named that name, so I can rag on those names all I want. Malon means sick and weak, okay? Sick, what a great name for a child, right? I don't know what was going on in this time, but that's, that's his name. Chilion is even worse. It means weighty, wasting or fading away. So that's their children, sick and weak and wasting away. And God is king and pleasantness produced that. I don't know what in the world is going on, uh, but that's their names. So let's continue. It's, it kind of is like you're pretty much foretelling what's going to happen in your children's lives. Let's see if they're right. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah, and they went into the country of Moab, and they remained there. And I already said that's one tragedy because they decided to leave their people and, in essence, leave their God and go to a godless uh, place where they didn't recognize the one true God, and they decided to follow idols in that place. And it says, they went into the country of Moab, they remained there, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. So all of a sudden you have this story, okay, we're going to leave here, we're going to escape to a better place, and that, it's going to be better, everything's going to be good there, and then all of a sudden Naomi's world is turned up side down 100%. I mean, losing your spouse, that's an upside down world turner, okay? If that happens, you don't know what to do. And Naomi didn't have any clue on what to do. So he dies, she is left with her two sons, verse 4. These took Moabite wives, all right? This is actually another tragedy because God always wanted his people to follow him. And he knew that if they were to marry someone outside of themselves, they wouldn't be true worshipers of God. And that 
untrue worshiper of God, the worshiper of false gods and idols, would pull the heart of the other person away from the Lord, the one true God. And so God said, I don't want you marrying people of other nations that didn't have anything to do with what they looked like, the color of their skin, some of their other practices. It had everything to do with the fact that they weren't God followers and God wanted his people to continue following him. So they took Moabite wives. That's kind of a blow. Uh, and it's, it's another one of the tragedies in this story. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. Actually, I don't know if you know this, uh, but Ruth, the book of Ruth, is the only book in the Bible that's named after someone that isn't a Jew or an Israelite. Isn't that insane? So God still, it, it doesn't matter. He's not a respecter of anything. He just wants people to follow him, and Ruth was a follower of his, as we'll see in a little bit, and she gets an entire book of the Bible named after her. What an amazing thing. So these took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah. The name of the other was Ruth. They lived there for about 10 years. And listen to this. Both Malon and Chilion died. Okay, it wasn't a surprise because of their names. <laughs> okay, that was bound to happen. But listen, another thing in Naomi's life that just turns her world even more upside down. Where does she go from here? All of a sudden, she's left with no one except two Moabite daughter-in-laws. She has no one to take care of her. She doesn't even have her children anymore. She has no idea what to do. She's a widow, and she's single, and she's now childless. And that's the fourth tragedy that we see that happens in the life of Naomi, and also in the life of Ruth and Orpah, the, uh, the daughters-in-law. So in these tragedies, we have to see something, and that brings us to our next point. We have to see that God still works in an upside-down world. So no matter what Ruth and Orpah and Naomi are going through, God is still a God who's going to work in their upside-down worlds. Everything has been ruined for them. As far as they know, life can't get worse. But God is a God who can still work in the upside-down world. So what I want us to do is look in verse 6. It says, Then Naomi arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab. So now she's saying, I'm going to go back. Now, Moab is current-day Jordan. Okay, so if you're looking at a map, Israel would be here, and I'm doing this kind of backwards for you guys. Israel would be here, the Dead Sea would be here, and Moab would be here. So it's, it's about a 50-mile trip. It might have taken them a week to make the trip. They would have had to go over the Red Sea and drop down into Moab and do the reverse to get back home. And that's exactly what they did. She says they arose with her daughters-in-law to return from Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. Now, this is the first glimmer of hope, but I don't think Naomi, Ruth, or anybody else saw it as a glimmer of hope. But for us who can read ahead in the story, this is where God starts everything. This is the ray of hope that they needed. I doubt they saw it, but we can see it. And hopefully, when we're in our upside down, hopefully we can see God doing some of these things. But she's there. She has to take care of herself now. So she's out in the fields working. Her sons can't provide for her. Her husband can't provide for her. So she's out working in the fields. And in this distant land of the Moabites, she hears the other Moabites talking in the fields. And you know what they're talking about? The one true God. And you know what they're saying? That he's visited his people again. The famine is over. There's an abundance now. 
back in Israel, back in Bethlehem. And for us, we see it as a ray of light. There's one other way that God really provides and is still working in the upside down worlds of Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah, and it's that they weren't alone. They didn't have to go through everything, this whole upside down world, they didn't have to go it alone. They had each other. So that brings me to the next point. Deep connection makes all the difference in the upside down. So when life had happened to them, when God was still working behind the scenes, even though they couldn't see it, deep connection is what they really counted on to get them through. And that's in verses 8 through 18. Let's go ahead and keep reading here. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go return each of you to her mother's house. Go back to where you were raised. Go back there. May the Lord deal kindly with you. You see Naomi's faith here. As you have dealt with the dead, your husbands, and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. She's even praying this blessing over them and saying, I hope you're able to go back home And I hope you're able to remarry and I hope your lives get better than what we have now. And it's really a prayer for them and a blessing on on their lives. And it's in the name of Yahweh, the one true God. Even in the midst of Moab, Naomi still had faith in God. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and they wept. They said to her, no, we will return with your people. But Naomi said, no, turn back, my daughters. Will you go with me? Do I have sons yet in my womb that could become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. And even if I should have this hope, even if I get a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown so that you could marry them? Would you refrain from marrying others? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Now, Naomi is seeing everything that's happened in her life, and she uses a common phrase for the day just to say, my life is bad. And that means that's the Lord's hand is against me. And everyone knew that she's going through a rough time if she says something like that. So I'm going to keep reading. Verse 14. Then they lifted up their voices again, and they wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. When it says that she kissed her mother-in-law, it means she kissed her goodbye. And she left. She left back to her own people and to her own gods. We never hear of Orpah again anywhere in Scripture. But Ruth clung to her. Ruth said, no, we're going to get through this together because if we're not in this together, we're not going to get through it. This deep connection is the only thing that we have as we move forward. And so Naomi said, see, Ruth, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and gone back to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth says, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you will go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. This is one of the most beautiful passages of someone describing their loyalty to another person in the Bible. And she is going to take this up to the next level as well. She says, not only am I going to be wherever you go and wherever you stay, that's where I'm going to stay. And whatever happens to you, that's what's going to happen to me. She takes it one step further. Listen to what she says. Your people shall become my people and your God, my God. And so Ruth in this horrible time in her own life is with Naomi that's going through the same mess. And she says, we're going to go through this together. 
and I'm going to leave my people here in Moab, and I'm going to go back, and they're not going to be my people anymore. And I'm going to go with you, and I'm going to go to your people, and your people, they're going to be my people. I'm going to basically become an Israelite now, and your God, the one true God, that's my God now. From this day forward, your God is my God, and your people are my people Where you die, she says, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw this, she was determined to go with her, and she said, no more. So you see that deep connection makes all the difference when you're going through the upside down. If you think back on stranger things, nobody had to do anything alone. Everybody banded up in, in a community, in a tight-knit group of friends, and they got through it together. And it was the only thing that got them through together when their worlds were upside down. Same thing that we see here with Naomi and with Ruth. The next thing that I want you to see is that bitterness can set in when things go upside down. Now we see this in the show, Stranger Things. People get bitter. People don't know what is going on. We see this now also in the life of Naomi. So it says, verse 19, the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, isn't this Naomi? She said to them, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? You see, the tendency for anyone going through some of these most difficult moments in their lives is for them to grow bitter. You start pointing fingers, you kind of hunker down, You start dwelling on everything that is going bad, that nothing is good, and your heart just gets bitter and more bitter and more angry and more resentful. And the next thing you know, you're one of those bitter, resentful, angry people. Have you ever met somebody like that? If you know somebody like that, just call them Mara the next time you you see them. It just means bitterness. You're just bitter, man. Uh, And there's so many people that get trapped in this because when the world turns upside down, sometimes that's the best defense mechanism. Why don't I just get bitter? And so they roll up back into Jerusalem. I'm sorry, back into Bethlehem. And the people are just murmuring. They're gossiping. Look at there's the lady who abandoned us, her people. She abandoned her God. She went to Moab of all places where the God of Chemosh is getting human sacrifices. What's she doing back here? And where's her husband? And where's her two sons that she went with? And who is this Moabite that's with her? She doesn't belong here. And you see, bitterness is just set into Naomi. She's like, don't even call me pleasantness. I'm bitter now. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? I think it's so easy for us to accept blessings from the Lord, but when the Lord wants to grow us and when the Lord puts things in our lives that could cause some things that we don't really want to see, we're like, no, 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 we'll just take blessings from you. We don't want anything else. Why don't we just be bitter when you bring some of these things in our lives. 
So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Not at the end of the barley harvest, at the very beginning of the barley harvest, when all the barley was ready to be picked, when all the food and all the provision that God was going to give was ready. And it's another glimpse of hope. Now, there's not much hope in this first chapter. We see that they didn't have to go it alone. We saw God is working by creating abundance instead of famine. And we see that it's the beginning of the barley season. But I don't think Ruth or Naomi saw any of that. You know why? Because Naomi was bitter. I'm guessing probably Ruth was. It doesn't say. She's just gone through all of the same things with Naomi. And they're not going because they think, okay, God is really going to bless us and our lives are going to be awesome. No, that's not what they're thinking. They're thinking, we are in the pits right now. Maybe we can go over there and we'll have a little more food while we're in the pits when our whole worlds are turned upside down. So I hope you've made a few connections as we've just kind of gone through Ruth and Naomi's story. I hope you're kind of connecting some of those things in your own lives, but what I'd like to do is kind of fill in all the blanks now. I hope that what you come here to hear is not just a whole bunch of flowery words that are going to make you feel happy for a time. I hope you come here to hear the truth. And I think it's my job as one of the pastors here to encourage you that when these bad times come, when the upside down hits, there's still hope for you. And so it really brings us back to the main point for today. And these are two truths in the same point. At some point in your life, everything will get turned upside down. It's just a fact. Some of you have lived it already. It might happen again. It's just some one of these things that just changes everything forever. And the second truth is that God is still relentlessly working behind the scenes. So when you go through these hard times, you have to know, you have to know that even though you may not see God working, like probably Naomi and Ruth didn't see him working, God is still working behind the scenes and he's doing some amazing things, things that would blow your mind. In fact, as we go through this whole book of Ruth, you're gonna see that God relentlessly pursued Ruth on behalf of you and me. And we're going to see that at the end in, in Ruth 4. We're gonna, I'm going to flesh all of that out, and you're going to see that him pursuing her was actually a pursuit of you. That's an amazing, amazing thing. So what do we do when we're going through the upside down? The first thing that we do, we, we have to remember, we have to remember that God is working behind the scenes. Here's the second thing we do. We count on the deep connections that God has given us. I know I'm the connect group guy, and I know I'm like, hey, are you involved in community? You need to get involved in community. It's like my key thing, right? I hope you are in community, because if you're not, when your world gets turned upside down, you're going to find yourself with nobody to lift you up, lift you up in prayer, just lift you up actually off the ground, because sometimes that's how bad the upside down is. We just fall down to the ground, and we cry. So we have to remember that God has provided these deep connections for us. So if you're not in a group, get in a group. We have Connect Night coming soon. You also have to fight bitterness because what's going to happen as soon as your whole world 
turns upside down, your tendency is going to be to start pointing fingers and to start getting bitter. Because you're not going to see God working, because He's working behind the scenes sometimes. But you have to know that He's working, and you can't get bitter. If you know that God is working for you behind the scenes, in whatever situation you're facing, whatever it is, you have hope. And you know that everything is going to be all right, and you can guard against that bitter heart that's so easy to fall into. Wouldn't it just be easy just to get bitter about something and just stay bitter? That's the easy way. And it feels so good to just stay bitter. But if we stick it through like Ruth and Naomi do, we'll see everything that the work of the Lord is doing behind the scenes is actually for our good if we know and we love him. So if we were just to kind of take a poll, I could maybe just assume that a quarter of us in this room are maybe going through the upside down right now. There's something going on in your life that if and when it ends and you hope it's like any moment that it just stops and it lets up, you're never going to be the same after. And you're going through that today, right here at church. And there's a whole bunch of people that are right here with you going through that same thing. I could also assume like another quarter of you have probably maybe just come out of one of those times in your life and you've been changed, but at least it's done and you've dealt with it and it's over. It's probably another quarter of us that haven't gone through anything like that yet, or maybe it was so long ago that we just hope nothing like that ever hits again. And there's probably another quarter of us here that uh, are maybe right at the beginning of our world's turning upside down. Maybe we know it or maybe we don't. But I do think that it's our job as pastors to coach you through this and say, don't give up. Count on your deep connections. Count on a God who's working behind the scenes and don't let it get you bitter. Don't change your names to bitter like Naomi did. So in just a moment, we're going to have an invitation I know a lot of some of the things that you guys are going through because you come and you talk to me and you tell me that you're going through this upside down time in your life. I know that there's so many more of you that don't talk to me or don't talk to anybody else about the upside down world that you're living in right now. And I know that there's so many of you that need hope right now. And I know that some of us are going to be getting to those difficult times soon. And so what I would hope that you would do today is just embrace this, that it's coming, but the Lord is going to be working behind the scenes, and you've got to count on the connections that the Lord has given you to get you through all of it. So maybe you need to come and talk to a pastor today as we have our invitation. Maybe you need to say, could you just pray with me? I'm in the upside down of upside downs right now. I just need you to pray with me. Maybe you would want to place your faith in God like Ruth did. Wasn't that beautiful? She just decides, no, I'm, I'm not going to be with these people anymore. I'm going with your people and your God is my God. Maybe you need to make the one true God your God today. Maybe you know somebody that's in the upside down right now. You need to pray for them. You need to lift them up. You need to be there for them. And you could share this message with them. 
Look at the book of Ruth and take them through it and say, look, everything's going to be okay. God is working.